you have your Bible, I want to give a couple people some verses. We've got a small crowd. We'll do it kind of more of a teaching style. But Dickie, if you'll in a minute read Deuteronomy four nine. Marty, if you'll read Psalm one thirty nine. 23 to 24. I'm going to read Lamentations 3.40. Patty, if you'll read Luke 8.18. Jimmy, if you'll read Revelation 2.4 to 5. And then I'm going to read a couple others. This morning's message is uh, New Year's self-examination. How many of you plan... To make a New Year's resolution or New Year's resolutions. Anybody? You? Heard a couple quotes on that this week and it said a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. (laughs) If 2017 were a person, I'd sue him for pain and suffering and lost wages. One guy, I guess he's quite the pessimist, he said people treat New Year's like some sort of life-changing event. If your life was terrible last year, it's probably still going to be terrible tomorrow. (laughs) Many of us can probably equate to this one. Dear God, my prayer for 2018 is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix it up like you did this year. (laughs) It's officially New Year's Eve. You only have a couple of hours to do all the things you'll resolve not to do in the New Year. Remember, you can reset your resolutions on January 14th, Orthodox New Year, and February 8th, Chinese New Year. After that, even I can't help you. (laughs) 45% of people in the U.S. are going to make New Year's resolutions. Do you know the top three? Lose weight. weight. Self-improvement. And money. Saw somebody with a Facebook post and pretty much everybody's comments all lined up to one of those three. Only 9% of people will be successful. 72% make it out of the first week alive. 68% the second week. 58% one month. The second week of February, the success rate's down to 20%. That has been my experience too as a physician after 17 years of being a physician when it comes to physical things. That's why I never give a diet. A diet is going to be cursed from the beginning. When I tell you you need to go on a diet, what do you think? Oh Lord, this is going to be painful. This is terrible. Lifestyle change. That is what will succeed. And so there's a reason they call it a yo-yo diet. You're up and down, up and down. And so as your spiritual physician or pastor, what I want to encourage you to with regards to spiritual matters is not to strive for spiritual New Year's resolutions, but a good old New Year's self-examination to then invoke lifestyle changes to look more like Christ. And so that's what the Bible calls us to. And so from Moses to the Psalms to the prophets in the Old Testament, we're told to examine ourselves. So whoever had Deuteronomy 4.9, I think that was Vicky. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So watch yourself. Examine yourself. Check yourself. Psalm 139. I think Marty had that. 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my 
anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And then Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So multiple times in the Old Testament we're told to examine ourselves. What about the New Testament from the Gospels, the last book of the Bible, multiple times in between, the same. So I think Patty had Luke 18, Luke 8, 18. So take care how you listen, for whoever has, him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he shall be taken away from him. Jesus says, give yourself a good old ear examination. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 2, 4 and 5, Jimmy. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. So Jesus tells the church at Ephesus, check yourself out, examine yourself. Remember what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11:28, and what Jimmy and I are so careful to remind you of before you take the Lord's Supper. What are we commanded to do? Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says, Examine yourself to be sure you're in the faith. And then James 1.23-25 says, If anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, then no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So I think God is serious about examining ourselves, don't you? And really I thought, what better time for us to do that than New Year's Eve? And again, not a New Year's resolution, but a New Year's self-examination. We're going to do it in two parts this morning as individuals and next Sunday morning corporately as far as a church. And we're going to do it this morning by looking at three aspects in which we can examine ourselves. And we're going to take a look back, a look around, and look ahead. And what I want you to understand, please, if you hear nothing else other than a few things you need to pick up on. Understand this. What I want us to do this morning is to stir us afresh in our walk with the Lord. This is not meant to instill guilt. It is not to get a list of more stuff you've got to do to check off. This is to spur us to look more like Christ. Remember what I said our vision statement is, Colossians 1.28, to present every one of you mature in Christ. That's to look more like Christ. And remember what we have said is our mission statement. A family of believers living and growing together. That's the goal. And remember what I've told you. Some of us, some of you are here on the Christ-like scale. And some of you are up here. And we don't, Paul says, if you read Romans, he says, don't shame the ones that are the weaker brothers. Help pick them up. And you that are weak, you know, don't look at the ones that are strong and, and you know, then fall and stumble. So we're all here and this is what Buffy Cook's growth chart looked like in 2017. Up, down, up, down, up, up, down, down. I mean, and but hopefully I look a little more like Christ at the end of 2017 than I did at the beginning of it. That's the goal for each and every one of us today. It's not to be perfect. It's to look more like Christ. Think of it like, Marty, I don't know if you did this in your class, but I know a lot of times when I was in school they'd give you a pretest at the beginning of the year and then a post-test. Because really a test, an exam, we all say, well, it's just to see who's the smartest kid in the grade and get out of school and this and that. It really should be to say, I was here and now I'm here. 
and I have grown. And so that really is what I want this to be this morning, okay? Y'all got that? All right, so we'll look at three aspects of the New Year's self-examination. First is as sons or daughters. Listen to what the Scriptures say. Remember John 1? Read you a couple of scriptures. John 1 12, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 2 Corinthians 6 18 says, He will be like a father to us, and we will be his sons and daughters. Galatians 4, 5 and 6 says that Jesus came in the fullness of time to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And then I'll read you finally 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. That's just a few verses that tell us of our position before the Lord. Sons and daughters. And really, I think it's the only appropriate place for us to start in a discussion about examining ourselves is to understand that we are sons and daughters. And as you will see, I strategically put this first before I talked about slave and stewards because we got to get sonship understood first before any of the other stuff will fall into place. And if we're trying to be slaves and stewards before we're sons, then what we're really doing is religion, not relationship. Right? We have talked about that. And so it's not only appropriate because of what Scripture says, but think about what we tend to do. And so what we tend to do is, you remember the, or know the song, Hello, My Name Is, by Matthew West? Hello, My Name Is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Hello, My Name Is Defeat. I know you'll recognize me. These are the voices. These are the lies. And what we need to do is, as he says, believe them for the last time because we are children of the one true king. That's where it all starts with. And if you'll remember, I think we may have some sheets still in the back, but Mike Breen in his covenant triangle, he talks about this. You've got father at the top, identity and obedience. And what is relationship and rest is we already understand our identity, that the Father fully loves us, we are children of God, we are sons and daughters of God. Out of that flows obedience because we love the Lord and that brings Him glory. But what religion does is it says in order to be accepted by God and loved by Him, then you've got to be obedient to Him and then you're in bondage constantly to that and you just live a life of shame. That's religion. We don't want religion. We want relationship. So the very first thing I want you to understand for 2018 is this. Who we are in Christ. We are sons and we are daughters. So I want us to give, us, give three aspects quickly of our sonship or daughtership. First is identity. Do you remember the title of our series through Ephesians? Noah should. He loved it the series on Ephesians. Don't remember? Identity crisis. 
In the opening of that series, and maybe some of you weren't here, I said our identities are a hot mess. Think about how you introduce yourself. Somebody says, oh, how are you? Well, I'm Miss Pam. Well, who are you? Who am I? I am Buffy Cook, a doctor, the Tipton County medical examiner, a pastor, a missionary. I'm Robert Cook's son, Vicki Cook's husband when she claims me, Matthew's dad. I'm American, 116th Indian American, African at heart, part Irish, or at least that's what my mom says. We'll see what 23andMe says soon. Most days a Balls fan. Right now a diehard obnoxious Eagles fan. Amen. <laughs> Some days happy, frustrated, don't you start saying amen. <laughs> Irritated, annoyed, joy-filled, loving, kind, snappy, energetic, tired. Wow, what an identity crisis. And remember what I said, now think about how our identity is in constant flux. It starts when we're born. Well, are you the firstborn child, the middleborn child, the lastborn child? Are you an only child? Because a lot of that cues your identity, doesn't it? What's your nickname? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Then it gets incredibly complicated in the teen years and you've got no idea who you are. Are you artsy, funny, goth, athletic? Are you a band geek, nerdy, rich, poor, cool, not cool, smart, dumb, too tall, too short, too this, too that? And then if you went off to college, you're free and you reinvent yourself. Do whatever you want. Then you get married. There's in-laws, four Christmases, bathrooms to share, toilet lids that don't lift or lower depending on which place you're in. The Bible says to love and she's unlovable. The Bible says to respect and he's a three-year-old man child with the flu. Then you have kids and the sun and everything else orbits around them. And then thankfully they leave, but they only bring back more. And then it's finally entered nesters and who are you? Who am I? What did we get in this position together? And then your spouse gets really sick and they're gone and you're widowed alone and your kids are in the next town or state and your identity is in complete, utter chaos. So you see why our experience is that. You see why Scripture then tells us as your foundation, the strongest thing you've got to always come back to is this. You are in Christ. You are a son, a daughter of the one true God. And so take a look back on that in 2017. Did you really understand your identity? Did you really understand that you were in Christ? That God already has accepted you because of Christ and you are His son and you are His daughter. And nothing can ever change that. Take a look around. Hours before the clock strikes, January 1, 2018, are you truly living and resting in that identity? Did you hear what I said? It's not what you're doing down here at Crossway Baptist Church to serve the Lord. Are you first and foremost understanding and living and resting in that identity? And then look ahead. What can you do or need to do in 2018 to grow in that identity? All right, the second aspect of our sonship is responsibility. I'm going to put you all to the test this morning. Who can complete this Buffyism? Membership has its privileges, but it also has its responsibilities. responsibilities. It's a massive privilege to be a son or a daughter of Christ. Amen? But we also have to understand it does bring some awesome responsibilities. And so in 2017, how'd you do with regards to God's family? God is your father. Were you good and responsible to him? Is your family here at Crossway? Were you responsible to us? How's your one another blood level from 2017? Did you build up those here at Crossway? Did you love on them? Did you pray for them? 
And so then I look around. Hours before the clock strikes, January 1, 2018, is God giving you some ends on your report card and saying, hey, here's some areas you need improvement for your responsibilities to God in this household. And then look ahead. Remember what I said. This isn't a guilt session or a this is a list thing. Imagine this. Imagine what your life would look like spiritually. The fruit on your tree if you were earnestly committed to filling your responsibility as a son and daughter of Christ. I think if, if Jesus would allow us a glimpse of what we could be and could do for Him, if we would just fully commit ourselves to Him, it's not that we would be ashamed because of what we hadn't done, but because of what we could do and be for Christ. Remember, we talked about this in Ephesians 2.10. We are His masterpiece. He created us to, as His masterpiece to do stuff for Him because guess what? He's gone. And He has no plan B other than I'm looking at plan A, and that's us. We are the only hope for this world, brothers and sisters. 2018, it doesn't matter a hill of beans what the stars and the planets are going to do, what the president's going to do, what the Congress is going to do. As we're right now across oceans, Iran, they're having demonstrations, and who knows what's going to happen. That doesn't matter a hill of beans, brothers and sisters. What matters a hill of beans is that the only hope for this world is Christ. And the example for that is you and I. We need to get serious about our responsibility. Because as Brother David was singing, you know, I'm thinking, what if 2018, y'all know the Chinese New Year? You got the year of the dog, the year of the cat, or mouse, whatever. What if 2018 was the year of the Christ? The year He comes back. And the Bible says, don't be red-faced. Don't shrink back from Him at His coming because of what you didn't do as far as His son and His daughter. Alright, third is, the third aspect is respect. Uh, representability. What I always tell our kids before they go somewhere with someone overnight or longer, Matthew can answer this. Son, what did I tell you when you went duck hunting with Christian? I took him aside, I went in his room and I said, Son, I'm very proud of you and I don't really even have to tell you this because I have had people compliment him on how well behaved he is and this and that. I said, but you remember while you're away with Christian, two things. You remember, first and foremost, you're Jesus's. You are his kid. Number two, you're mine. And so act like both of them. And so there's a lot of Christians that would do well to know that. Remember what I said, Gandhi has said, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. And there's some stinging truth to that, brothers and sisters. And so in 2017, how'd you do it representing Jesus? How did I do? Was I a good example at work? Not always. Was I a good example at home? Not always. Was I a good example to y'all? Not always. And so we'll look around. Hours before the clock strikes, January 1st. In the parable of the prodigal son, which one are you? Which one are you? Are you the prodigal son that's living in the pig pen and need to get out of it? Are you the son that's returned to the Lord? Or what a lot of Christians don't realize is a lot of them are the older son. And they're sitting back here and all their self-righteousness and tapping their foot and saying, well, why ain't you doing this for me, God? Because I've been doing this for you and now look at how you're blessing this old poor boy. All right. 
And so look ahead. Meditate on and pray over Psalm 139. That's what I'd encourage you to do. Read that. And ask the Lord to do those things for you. Search me, Lord. And convict me of what I can do to look more like Christ and represent Him. Alright, the second aspect in which I want us to examine ourselves hours away from 2018 is as slaves of God. Well, how can you be a slave and a son simultaneously? I don't know. Scripture sometimes don't make sense, right? But I know that it teaches that you're both. Amen? I mean, under the new covenant, we're sons. But if you think about it, how do the five authors who wrote 22 of 27 of the New Testament books describe themselves? Doulosis. Servants. See, we, we back that down. Well, you know, because of slavery, we don't really want to say slaves, but that's the word. Slave. But you say, I thought Christ redeemed us to set us free. We did, from yourself and the world and Satan. But you're going to be a slave to something. You're going to be a slave to yourself, slave to the world, or slave to Satan, or a slave to Christ. Well, I just need to be a slave to Satan, or a slave to Christ, so I'm not a slave to Satan. That seems kind of slavish. No. Think about this. First off, turn to 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to give us a couple of lines of thinking of this. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? Buffy Cook ain't even his own. That's how you read that verse. You're not your own. Marty Bowers is not his own. For Marty Bowers was bought with a price. You know what he was bought with? The precious blood of Christ. Christ bought us off of the slave market with his very own blood. And so because of that glorious truth, then here's what I do. I willingly submit myself to Him. People say, why do you go to Africa, Dr. B? Because 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, the love of Christ compels me. It controls me. Why do you think that Patty and Corky wear themselves out at the boys' ranch to show love to boys who otherwise would never, ever probably not only hear the name of Christ, never even probably be shown love. Amen? Why do they do that? Why do we all as brothers and sisters come together today when other people are out partying and sleeping in and gearing up for New Year's Eve? Why do we do that? I tell you why. Because the love of Christ controls us and compels us to do it. And so finally, think of this image, and we talked about this in Sunday school last week. Wait, I want you to put, think of this image of yourself coming into the new year. The image of what it is to be a slave goes all the way back to Exodus 21, <coughs> verse 5 and 6. If a slave plainly says, I love my master. How many of you love Jesus Christ? I mean, I always trip out when we, go on, when we would go on these youth events, you know, and everybody would be chanting, We love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? I thought, if I hear this one more time, y'all done chanted this for an hour. But I'm thinking, I wonder if you really are living that. Are you chanting that in your school? If a slave plainly says, I love my master, y'all raise your hand, I love Jesus Christ. 
I will not go out free. Then his master will bring him to God and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost and his master, Christ, will bore his ear through with an awl and he will be a slave forever. That's the image of what it is to be a slave of Christ. I'm going to give you quickly seven things. Just you can write these down. You don't have to try and do these on 2018. I'm just going to write these down. These are seven things that in Scripture says that they are the will of our Lord for our life and how we can serve Him as a slave. One is sanctification. That's 1 Thessalonians 3.18. That verse says, or 5.18 I believe. Yeah, five, um, no, I'm sorry. I'll have to get you the reference on it. I thought I had it right. I thought it was first Thessalonians three. I think it's eight. But it talks about that basically the will for God for our life is our sanctification. To look more like Christ. So that's one. That sanctification is Christ likeness. Alright, second is spirit filled. That's Galatians five, sixteen to seventeen. The will of God is that we would be led by the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. Third is self-sacrificing. Romans 12, 1-2. That we would present ourselves a living sacrifice, for that is our acceptable spiritual worship. Four is submissive. 1 Peter 2, 13-15, that we would be submissive to the authorities in which we live under. A lot of people, I don't care how you vote, you know, if I didn't uh, vote for him or I voted for him, if you voted for him or didn't vote for him back three years ago, you know who was your president? Obama. Obama. And you know right now, whether you voted for him or you didn't vote for him, you know who was your president? Trump. Trump. And what you do is you live as an obedient citizen under that. Do you know how many of our forefathers lived under uh, emperors who persecuted them, but yet it was the emperor. They were obedient, unless it's something that mismatches the scripture, and then you don't have to be obedient to it, correct? Alright, five is suffering. First Peter 3.17 Part of the way that God makes us more like Christ is through suffering, and then Six is satisfied. First Thessalonians five eighteen. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. And then seven supplicator. First Timothy two one to four. Paul says that we should offer prayers for all people. And so, quickly looking at those in twenty seventeen, did you grow in Christ likeness from twenty sixteen? Did you walk in the Spirit or gratify the flesh? I had to regularly pray on Mondays that I would walk in the Spirit that week at work because otherwise what I would want to do is buck up in the flesh. Amen. Were you a living sacrifice or did you crawl off the altar? Were you an obedient citizen, a good American? Or were you on Facebook? I mean, I, I literally have a guy, a friend that's on Facebook that I have come so close to just 
defriending him because I'm sick and tired of the political mumbo jumbo. You're a Christian and you're on Facebook causing conflict and not being a good American. And then when the challenge arose, did you suffer or repay evil? Did you have an attitude of ingratitude or were you thankful? And how was your prayer life? And look around, hours before January 1, 2018, what challenges or opportunities do you see to become more Christ-like? For myself, it's stop playing games at my house. <laughs> that will go a long way in my sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> I said January 1, 18, she said after the night. Um, what do you need to walk more in the Spirit? Quit playing games at my house. So. What's keeping you from crawling in the offering plate and giving yourself fully to God? What attitudes or actions you might need to change to glorify God as a citizen of the good old U.S. of A? How do you view suffering for Christ? Are you cultivating an attitude of gratitude? Think about what weeds might be killing your prayer garden. And then look ahead. Set some goals to become more Christ-like by the end of 2018. We can say, well, I want to look more like Christ at the end of 2018. And you know what? If I'm out there in the woods and I'm shooting at a deer and I go, man, that is a beautiful buck. That's a 180-inch, 15-point buck. And I just say, and shoot the arrow off into the air, do you think I'm going to hit him? So if you're wanting to hit a target, what do you have to do? Aim. And you've got to set some goals to aim at it. So set some goals. Pray daily to be led by the Spirit. Give yourself to the Lord in 2018. Grow in your willingness to suffer. Give thanks in all circumstances. Study Jesus' prayer life and imitate it. I could get up here and I could try and give you all the answers on prayer, but if you just get in the Gospels and look at how Jesus prayed, you'll go a whole lot farther than listening to me talk about it. Amen? Y'all remember the show, I think it was Lost in Space or something, Danger Will Robinson? The little thing will go, Danger Will Robinson, Danger Will Robinson. Talking about there's danger ahead. Here's the danger. Remember what I said? You know how a lion tamer paralyzes a lion with a four-leg stool? Because he tries to focus on all four at once and what's it do? It paralyzes the animal. So if you try to focus on too many of these things in your life in 2018 at once, you know what it's going to do? Paralyze your faith in your life. So just pick one thing. You may be doing well on your prayer life, but you may not be walking too well in the Spirit. And so focus on that until you get that better. The whole point is to self-examine, make a change, improve, and move on. Alright, final thing is steward. Alright, Speaking of exams, let me put y'all the test. Yeah, Matthew doesn't have it up there yet. Great. Y'all remember our stewardship series? The name of it? Hashtag stewards. Do you remember the acrostic Jimmy and I gave y'all? And do y'all remember what any of these stood for? Or did mine Jimmy's amazing preaching go in one ear and out the other and it's going to go in one year and out the other? <laughs> do you remember the acrostic? Put it up there, Matthew. Gifted. Remember that? Gifted. Do you remember what any of those stood for? I do. Jimmy does. He only one listen. We just listen ourselves, don't we? That's it. What was G? Gospel. Gospel. I. Was time. F. This is what I, all churches care about. This is all they care about. 
What is it? Finances. Finances. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't good Christians. Y'all know the only thing church cares about is finances. At least that's what most people think, right? T, truth. E is life, and D was discipleship. Let's look at these real quick, and we're going to be done. And so let me tell you, in my own life, as far as each of these, you know what I had? in 2017 successes and failures but you know what God says about last year I'm not defined by last year do not let your past define you do you know people told me they said oh boy you just some little country podunk kid from shovel see we know when you're from Shelbyville and when you're from shovel see if you say Shelbyville we know you're an outsider when you say shovel, we know you're from Shelbyville, right? You're just some country old podunk kid from shovel. You ain't never going to be a doctor. If I'd have listened to them, I wouldn't be where I am today. If some of us listened to what people had said was going to be true of our lives, we'd be laying in the ditch somewhere dead, wouldn't we? You don't listen to them, you listen to what God's told you. You know what he does? Clean slate. Hallelujah. Amen. We just talked about it. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. We won't get Baptist Pentecostal up in here. Then that's time to do it. Praise God. Every day you wake up, you know what he takes? A big gigantic eraser. And erases it. You know why? Because he takes everything you've already done. He's already taken your sins as far as the east as the west. He sunk it down to the bottom of the ocean. What we do is we're salvage experts and we go down there and we drag it all back up. And we wonder why we're burdened down with so much baggage because we keep dragging up stuff God sunk to the bottom of the ocean. So don't beat yourself up on these. Again, it's not a beat up session. It's an examination. How'd I do? Alright, didn't do too good. Erase that, move on, let's try and do better, amen? Alright, so gospel. How many debts did you discharge? You see, y'all don't think, I listen to Jimmy's preaching, y'all don't think he listens to mine. Wasn't that exactly what you said, brother? He said, with the gospel, the number one thing he said is discharge debts. You owe a debt to God to share the gospel to other people. And are you discharging that debt? There were some debts I discharged in 2017, and there were some opportunities I let slip away what's keeping you from sharing the gospel Jimmy did a fantastic job thank you brother don't you cannot you cannot leave here today and say I don't know how to share the gospel because he's given you two ways to do it and so God created us to be with him but our sin separates us from God our sins cannot be removed by good deeds the only Ajax for your sin is Jesus' blood. He paid the price for sin. He died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in Him has eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And then on the back, He's got this. And you can actually write this. You can write it out in stages. This is John 3.16 that I talked about last week. So you write out John 3.16 with four phrases. It's four spiritual truths. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The first truth is for God so loved the world. That's one. Second, 
is actually shall not perish but have everlasting life. So here's the four sentences and I'm going to give you the, num the numbers. For God so loved the world, second, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the four sentences. Now here they are in the order. The first truth is for God so loved the world. The second one is actually the last. Shall not perish but have everlasting life. The third is He gave His only begotten Son and the fourth is whoever believeth in Him. And so here's what you do. You write this, two little cliffs, and you write out John 3.16. For God so loved the world. So you have mankind, God, and down here under this in this little uh, chasm, you put love. For God so loved the world. And why God created us was out of love and to have a relationship with Him of love. So why are more people not experiencing that in their life? And under love you put sin. Because their sin has separated them like the Grand Canyon from God. And so, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So you stay over here in your sins and you know what that is? That's death. You come over here to God and you get everlasting life. Right? And so He gave His only begotten Son, God's solution. So God's purpose first was that He created us out of love. Man's problem is sin. God's remedy is Christ. It's the cross. It's the only bridge that spans the Grand Canyon and gets us over to Him. But here's the thing. So there's God's purpose, man's problem, God's remedy, man's response. There's a response required of you and of us, and that is that we believeth in Him. You know what gets you across the bridge? Getting across the bridge isn't that you said a prayer in 1952, or walked the aisle in 1952, or you got baptized in 2011. What gets you across the bridge is that you believeth in Him for the rest of your life, every single day, trust in Him, and every breath of your life, trust in Him. So there's the gospel. You cannot leave out of here today and say, I do not know how to share the gospel. And if you ever hear somebody at Crossway say, well, I don't know how to share the gospel, you take this out, you keep this in your Bible, and you show them. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. Again, you don't do the, old, the older son and say, well, how do you not know? I mean, Dr. Buffy's talked y'all. Jimmy's talked about it. Well, I know how to share the gospel. No, you don't do that. You say, come here. Let me show you. This is how you do it. And like I said, then you t encourage them. Now go share it this week and come back and tell me next week what your experience was like. Okay? And so, what's keeping you from sharing the gospel? Shouldn't be anything now. What's keeping you from inviting folks to church? Really, I honestly didn't see a lot of that this year. Maybe my eyes were blind to it, but I just didn't see us really doing that as a church. That is key. we got to get folks in the door. They're not going to just roll up in this parking lot, brothers and sisters. Jesus said go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them. you got to drag them in here? Oh well, drag them in here. Here's what I would encourage you to do with the gospel. Write out a top ten list of lost folks that you know. Top ten list. If every one of us did that, I don't know how many of us are here this morning, maybe 30, that's 300 people. 
What if God gave us a success rate of 10% of those people coming to know Christ and getting baptized? That means we'd have to fire up the baptismal waters every week because we'd have 30 people get saved and baptized this next year. Who wouldn't want to see that? So write out that top 10 list and three things. You pray, you share, or invite. Pray, share, and invite. All right? Time. How'd you do with your time in 2017? Did you invest your 168 hours a week good? What's God calling you to give up or start or commit to? And so what I'd encourage you, how many of you budget your finances? You sit and write out a budget of your finances. Do the same with your time. Do you know what of those two time and finances you cannot make more of? Time. That's why the Bible tells us, teach me to number my days. It don't say number your finances. Because God will give you more opportunity to make that. But the time, when it's gone, it's over and done with. Amen? So budget your time. Third, finances. How'd you do with that? More important than me worried about how much money you put in that offering plate is how many of you actually got in the offering plate this year. God will make a way for us to have finances. That's going to happen. But I guarantee if each and every one of us get in this offering plate and our wallet's in it, then we won't have to worry about how much money we have and whether we're meeting budget or not. And so did you give regularly, bountifully, voluntarily, enthusiastically? Or was it like, well, I guess i got to give some offering this week, like a Christian Eeyore? No, we ought to come in here. You ought to be busting down the door and say, man, I'm throwing 20 in the plate, 100 in the plate, whatever God's calling you to do, because God has allowed you to give to Him. And so what spending habits are killing you? Do you need financial peace? Have any of you ever done financial peace by Dave Ramsey? You know what made the difference in mine and my wife's life when we finally woke up and we said we're sick and tired of living in debt? There came a moment we said we are sick and tired of this and we got Dave Ramsey's financial peace and it's been peace ever since. But it was war since before that. So let 2018 be the year of the snowball. If you know what snowball is, he teaches you how to snowball your debt. So let 2018 be the year of the snowball in which you start to get out of debt. Alright? T is truth. In 2017, how many books did you read? Of the Bible! I didn't say how many Nora Roberts books and uh, spy books did you read and Stephen King books did you read? How many books of the Bible did you read? Were you in a biblical small group in which people actually cracked open their Bible and read it and explained it? How did you do as far as being a steward of truth and this church last year. Y'all know if you're in this Sunday, this adult Sunday school, y'all know that we've been going through Revelation having a coach. And they know, because coach tells them or I tell them, whoever's doing it, they know exactly which verse we end on. How many of you then read the chapter ahead and are prepared for Sunday school? Marty, what do you always tell your kids? Read your stuff, come to class, what? Prepared. Y'all know where we're going to be in Luke, don't they? Yeah, they, should. they should. Do you say, well, I guess, I don't know who's going to be preaching next week. I don't even know where in Luke we're going to be. Read it. If we're going to be in Luke 10, 
Read that chapter. Come, be prepared. And then be a good student of the Word. 2018, let it be the year of the quiet time. Get in the Word. And if you ain't good at reading, get an audio Bible. I, heard, I saw what Phil posted, Ramsey. I thought it was so good. He said, you want to hear from God? Read your Bible. You want to hear Him talk to you? Read your Bible aloud. Think about how many of us when we read it actually read it aloud? Because whenever you read it, you know what you're doing? You're just engaging one sense. But when you read it aloud, you're engaging many, many more senses, aren't you? So read it aloud. Alright, life. Do you even know your spiritual gift? I'm afraid a lot of Christians don't. And if you know it, are you using it? So let 2018 be the year of the spiritual gift. Know your gift and use it. Let's not have to cut back on things that we do here at church. Let's use our gifts because God's given them to us and He's caused us to be a good steward of them. Finally, discipleship. In 2017, did you move the needle? Did you move people from the lost chair to the saved chair? And did you move people from the saved chair to the disciple chair? Did you have any spiritual kids or grandkids born in 2017? We talked about earlier that Miss Cecilia had a great-grandbaby. Is that correct? How many of us want spiritual great-grandbabies and spiritual great-great-grandbabies? Think about it. God has called us to be soul winners and disciple makers because Jesus was the same. So let's commit to doing that. Commit to be here on Wednesday nights. We'll have a new beginning in January 2018, like I said, and we're going to try to use those to kind of get everybody in the mindset of what it's like to be in a small group and how beneficial that is for us. So commit to that in 2018. Finally, in closing... Even if after this morning's message and my admonition to you to forego some New Year's resolutions, instead focus on New Year's self-examination, you just can't help yourself and say, i got to have some New Year's resolutions. I'm going to give you 12 that you can keep. You don't have to write these down. Then you can come back and listen to them. 12 you can actually keep. You ready? One, read less. Two, gain weight. Put on 50. Three, stop exercising. Four, watch more TV. You've missed some pretty good stuff. This is for the parents and the kids. Five, play more Xbox. Six, disobey your parents more. And all the parents said, yeah, well, we don't need to tell them to do that, do we? Seven, annoy your spouse more. Spend more time, energy, and effort on social media. Procrastinate more. Spend more time at work if you're a workaholic. Eat out more. <laughs> Maintain bad habit X, Y, and or Z. All joking aside, brothers and sisters, let's commit to this. Examine ourselves. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. What I want us to come away with most of all is this, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, You have been saved by grace. Grace. 
It's grace that saves us. It's grace that sustains us. It's grace that's already adopted us. It's grace that's already justified us. It's grace that's going to make you look more like Christ. And it's grace that one day is going to give you a glorified body. It is all based on grace. And so I'll leave you with this that Paul said. And So if it ain't Christ doing it in you, it ain't going to happen. Amen. He says, Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So the exhortation is really just this. Examine and return and do our best in 2018 to look more like Christ and glorify Him. Brothers and sisters, every bit that we do and are able to accomplish will only be based on grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for each person that came and gave their time. Today, we just thank You for this opportunity to worship You. We just pray, Father, that we have glorified You. We have shown our love towards You and Your great sacrifice for us. Father, I pray that You would just help us in 2018 to just test and examine our ways and to return to You that, Father, You can work in us, Father, because unless You do it, it's not going to be accomplished and it will not be sustained. And so we just step into the offering plate and ask that You would just uh, work in and through each and every one of us and as a church, Father, that we would bring You more glory. Father, I pray for this time of invitation that if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, if there's any uh, decision that needs to be made, Today would be the day that that decision will be made. We ask that you would just give us all uh, safety tonight. Father, we even pray for those that aren't here with us, that are lost. We just pray that people will make sensible decisions tonight, that there will be no loss of life here in Tipton County, that you would just guard over people. Uh, Father, because we know that there will be many that may be out and may be partying. We just pray that you would uh, keep everyone safe. We ask all this in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. I think the best way for an invitation is simply this, from what I know of every one of you in here that I've talked to and know your heart, is that you are saved. You do know the Lord is your Savior, but you've heard the Gospel. And so if there's any of you here that don't know Christ, I just ask this morning as we have the invitation that you come forward this morning and receive Christ. But more importantly than that, what I really want us to do in this time is this song says, Have thine own way, Lord. And so what better time to be in church than on New Year's Eve? And so maybe we need to come to the altar and just commit to something this year for the Lord. Maybe it's your finances, maybe it's to walk more in the Spirit, to share the Gospel more, but if that's your heart for the Lord to work in you this morning, just come to the altar and pray as we sing. You'll stand. Page 294. Have thy own way, Lord, have thy own